For today's episode, I'd like to highlight the work of a fantastic industry charity. The film and TV charity supports people in the UK film and TV industry at every stage of their career and beyond. From their important work on mental health, which led to the creation of the whole picture programme, and their help for crew being affected by COVID-19. If you, a member of your family or a friend who works in the industry, needs help or someone to talk to, please go to filmtvcharity.org.uk. Let's get started. Hola, film family. I'm Isusko, your host, a.k.a. The Time Scheduler. Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline and the whole team. And wherever you're listening, I hope you enjoy. Big love. Hi, film family. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I normally do a little intro um, for the person that we're doing today, but if I was to kind of wax lyrical about this man, we just wouldn't get into it. Um, I'm super thankful and I'm so appreciative that a man of this talent and, and stature is saying yes to, to coming on. Um, so, sir, what is your name and what do you do? My name's Sam Brown and I'm a, a commercials director, TV commercials director. Amazing. So what does um, directing mean to you? What is it that you do on a on a day-to-day, on a job-to-job, or what? what is it that... You mean how does it work from the beginning, from the sort of yeah. start of everything and... Yeah, so the yeah. two ways, the, there's kind of the two phrases that I've been putting is like, what do you do from pencil to, to invoice? Yeah, pencil to invoice. Yeah, okay, so the way... <clears throat> I mean, I only really know about commercials. It's the commercials and promos is the only area of this, of the business that I've, that I've worked in. So... How it works in commercials is if you want to make a TV commercial, you go to an advertising agency and the agency will um, you know, have teams of creators who will write um, ideas for, for the client. They'll kind of zero in on a few that they like and then they'll take those ideas to the client. And, um, and then the client will choose the one that they like the the best and they all agree that that's what they want to want to do and then um and then they will choose a short list of directors that they that they want to bring that to to life um so you know you you'll um pitch against three other directors on that on the script that they that they give you um and you have to write a treatment um which is your kind of interpretation of of um of the script so you have to kind of expand on that and and um you know um is it quite an open process are you able to can you just do whatever you think or do you have like a process that you're like okay i know this company i know this this uh, client so I think they might do that or do you just kind of go into it really? no I think it's really good not to do that actually and to approach every every um, script that you get on its own merits I don't like to I don't like to second guess people um, I don't like to sort of imagine what they might might want I like to 
just treat every project as its own thing and and and, and come at it uh, um, uh, differently. I think you know you do look at the history of what um, certain brands and agencies have done. If they're not making good work, well, it's probably likely that they're not going to continue to make make good good work. And um, there are certain brands that have done really good things, and you and you know that there's going to be more of a chance of making a good commercial with them. Um, but, you know, really it's just trying to um, look at that script and identify what's important about it and creatively what's working and what isn't. And then giving your opinion and your interpretation of, of, of that script in, in the form of a treatment, which is you know, a big right. long document with lots of pictures on it and mm. lots of description about how, how you're going to bring it to life. And, and based on that, um, they'll hopefully pick you. <laughs> fingers crossed. And then, <laughs> fingers crossed. And then you're off. Then, then, then you you work with a producer and uh, you know, um, and, a, and a crew in, in in kind of bringing that to to, to life. You know, you, you organise the, the the shoot, um, and. Uh, and you go and film it, which is normally a kick bollock scramble to get whatever you need to get done in the in the time that you got to yeah. to do it. And then we're into the edit and the post production, and then we deliver it to what is hopefully a happy agency and, and client. Nice. And then so those those processes, it felt like there was kind of four or so that I got. It was like a, yeah. a treatment section, then a pre-production, production, and then a post. In that treatment yeah. phase, you know, it's like Frank Gehry, architect, he would like sketch on the back mm. of a, you know, it'd be like really scatty first draft, and then that mm. would then build up to a final piece. Is there something, yeah. so like a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old director, mm. wants to, well, you know, newbie director that wants to get into commercials and music videos, mm. when they're looking at a script and they want to make yeah. a treatment? Yeah. You know, is there a starting point? Is it like, well, look, write down the first five things that you, you know, or is it visual? Yeah. Just a very well. I tell you what. I tell you what. For me, the starting point is the end line. Right? What does that mean? The end line is is like the, you know, like at the end of the commercial, they they okay. have the they yeah. have the end line, don't yeah, they? Yeah, of course. And and for me, like the end line is the candle in in the dark that's the thing that you need to just keep looking at and reading. What are we actually doing here? Mm. What is the message, right? Mm. And it's amazing how often in the process of agency writing and developing scripts, and bearing in mind that by the time that it arrives with me, it's been through God knows how many processes and approvals and taking to the client and the client say something and it being, it being rewritten again and by the time it, it gets to me it quite often it's it's lost its way actually mm. and there and the original intentions of the creatives and the original intentions of the client have got lost through too much talking too many kind of revisions too much process and so the first thing you do when you're a commercials director is you read the end line and you just think okay what is this idea actually about you know mm. 
Yeah. And and a lot of the time, there's just so much stuff has been added to it that doesn't need, need to be there. And your job is, is, is a, well, you've got a few, few different roles as a director. The first is to just bring it back to the idea, to kind of simplify it, to distill it down to what it, what it should be. Um, and to also reinvigorate it creatively, because quite often everyone is sick of the sight of a script by the time it comes to you. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> been working on it for so long. Yeah. And it's your job to come in and have a point of view on on the on the script, and to reinvigorate the process, to make to make the creatives and to make the the agency and the client excited about their about their idea again, and to unlock the possibilities of what it could could be. Does it ever feel like so it's a, you you kind of you know that process is like say a creative an agent uh, an agency would kind of they come up with an idea and then it's like baggage gets added baggage gets added baggage gets added and then it comes to you and you go actually that first idea of where it started That's from right. is what we need to get back so to. so often absolutely so often i'm taking creative not you know not all the time sometimes mm-hmm. you can have a really fluid process where, where something gets through to you in its original form and um but very often not Mm. and quite often my first contact with creatives is an attempt to take them back to where where they started and to say look this is what is good about your idea (laughs) do you do you do you kind of remember it Mm. and 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 you know through these things just get bashed around uh, um or they can get bashed around on on the agency side and i think I think your role as the director is to bring clarity back to, to the idea, but to also reinvigorate it creatively, to get everyone excited about what they wanted to do in the in the first place. And that's what I'm doing when I'm when I'm writing a treatment. <laughs> you know, I, I I in fact I sp- I spend you know if I've got three or four days to write a treatment, I'll honestly. I'll honestly spend just two days, two of those days, maybe sometimes even three, writing and thinking about what that idea is, hmm. not what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, but little phrases what is it all or about? words or th- you know. Yeah, it's just it's just trying to identify in my own mind and working through that process of exactly what we're trying to say, and then you'll find the bit where you're trying to write down exactly what happens or what you're going to do comes really really quickly mm. because you figured out what everything is all about and i only and i only wang on about this because early on i would write treatments that i thought were were great and really interesting and really creative and then you then at the end of it all you look back at it you kind of read it back and you go it's got nothing to do with with the end line it's got nothing to do with the idea in yeah. the writing of it, I've got it's lost too. You know, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's a great idea, but it's got nothing to do with what we actually need to say. Right. So yeah. anyway, so talking about this thing of, of of point of view, that's why point of view is so important for for a director, because you because you are trying to trying to just pinpoint what's important in an idea and have an opinion about it, hmm. and and if something isn't working when it comes to you, you're you're trying to trying to fix it so i I always think and it's actually interesting listening to um ollie murray's podcast with you 
he, yes. he talks about the same thing. Talk, mm. He talks about point of view. And it's, it's such an important thing for, for a, a, a director. It's the, it's the value that you bring to the process. So, you know, when you're, um, when you're pitching against three other directors, you know, we can all do it really well. Mm. We've all got the technical skills and the abilities to, you know, none of us are going to fuck it up. And we're all working at a very similar level of competence. So when you've got the three treatments on the, on the table, what's the important thing? Well, it's your point of view. Mm. It's the angle that you're taking on the, on the uh, um, idea because it, what it's what distinguishes you from, from, from the other directors. You know, if you're just simply regurgitating back to an agency, what they've written with a few bells and whistles on, that's not a point of view. (laughs) And in fact, I, I, I won't, I won't engage on scripts and I won't do things unless I have a really strong point of view. There can be a brilliant idea on the table, but if I don't have an angle with it, uh, don't have an angle on it, I won't engage with it because I know that my treatment is going to end up being very similar to, to, to the other two directors. Mm. So and is that I can't a gut stress in that. Is that, is that. is that something you yeah. or is that just experience that you yeah, have, I think, like, can suss a script out now and you can figure it out? I think it is, I think it is, I think you know, I mean, I know straight away if I've got a point of view on something. Hmm. If I read something, pretty much, you know, first or second read, I know if I've got an angle on it, an image will pop into my head or something, there'll be a little hook in there that I find interesting. And if I don't find that straight away, I normally won't find it at all. And even if it's a really good idea, I won't engage on it. Because I know that my approach is not going to be um, distinct, mm. and if it's not distinct, then you're then you're stabbing around in the dark. You know, it's like you, you, it could be it could be this director, this director, or this director. And I think all the good things that I've done, I've had a really strong point of view on, and I've taken that to the agency and said, "Look, have you thought about doing it this way?" And they said, "That's really interesting." You know, we're, I'm. I'm invigorating the process they um this they're suddenly getting very excited about their own idea again if that makes any sense yeah yeah amazing <laughs> it's like they've kind yeah. of they've it's like climbing a mountain it's like sometimes so i think sion or someone described it as you know the whole process of climbing a mountain it's like the agency and client and they've got it they've got this idea to the bottom of the mountain but they're tired yeah. you know and then yeah, it's like right. well it's you and it's everyone else that suddenly goes right bags yeah. on the back let's right. go up, let's let's get right. let's get cracking Right. And, and, and as a director, you're the new person in the process. Yeah. You're coming in when, when people, not always, but quite often are tired of their own idea. Mm. The client are tired of talking about it. And you're this new person in the process who's suddenly making contact with their idea for the first time and getting really excited about it. Amazing. And, and you're getting them excited about it. Yeah. And then you walk into the room with a client and, and you're showing them a board and they're getting excited about it again. So, that's what you're there to do. You know, you're there to have a point of view and to reinvigorate quite often a process that's got lost or tired. And yeah, the, you the mountain analogy. That, I guess, very you know, if you're in a room and you don't have a point of view or you, you, you know, you don't actually no. truly engage with the product, you know, you might, you know, that, that passion, that fire that you need to bring to it might just be half hearted, I assume. Yeah. Which is why you shouldn't do anything that you, that you, yeah. that you're not into. 
Mm. And, you know, not being into can take, uh, you know, being into something can take different forms. It might just be something that you're interested in, in isn't it? just interested in exploring or, or doing one tiny aspect of a job that mm. you haven't done before or you think might be really, really, I mean, I'm personally, I'm not think, always thinking about jobs in terms of, uh, is this an award-winning idea? It might just mm. be. I did a TV commercial a few years ago, um, a Christmas, com- a, a, a cat food commercial nice. with, with, you know, that had like 50 cats in it just because I just w- wanted to see what would happen <laughs> if I got into the studio with 50 cats and, yeah. and try to make that work, you know, and it was, nice. it was never going to win any awards, but, I, but it was just interesting to me. Mm. So I come into that process interested and excited about how the hell we're going to pull this thing off and that's enough to sustain everybody through the through the job so it's not you know has that always been your approach or has that evolved through time like when you started off were you just like yeah i'll I'll do whatever and i'll take whatever or was it like oh yeah no when i started off i would i would do whatever i i could lay my hands on but then i mean i didn't go to film school and i i i I was making films professionally almost before I knew how to how to how to make them. So I, I very much had to learn on the on the on the job, and I had to do work that at that point wasn't brilliant. Mm. Um, to just learn my craft and to and to figure out what I was doing. But I th- I think I think for me that was important because well I wanted to build my own interest i didn't want to be on a roster and be waiting for the scraps to fall down from from the from the tables of big directors mm. I, I i i knew instinctively from the beginning that i wanted to build my own interest and i would do shitty jobs if if they came in with my name on it mm. i would do it rather than wait for something to tumble down from a bigger director who hasn't got time to do something and that I stand very little chance of, of, of winning build building my own interest was really important. So then that comes hand in hand with doing shitty jobs, you know, Mm. but it's also to do with momentum. And I think there can be a great agony early on in your career about deciding what scripts to do and what not to do. And, what creatively is going to move you forwards and what won't and what's going to build your reputation and what's going to kill it. But there's a great argument for just doing, you know, Mm. just doing stuff. And the more you do, the more one thing leads on to another thing Mm. and you start to build a kind of momentum. And I can't say that for everyone, but for me, not being careful about what I, not being careful not not being fussy about what yeah. i was doing early on was was good and how did i was that starting start? music video were you did you you did a levels and then you just had mates that were in bands or how does that how, did, I, how does that first job come at you yeah well i i um i went to i did a foundation course at st martin's after school and then i did a photography degree at london college of printing so I was already, you know, as a visual person, I was a creative mm-hmm. person. I was good at art at school, and then the photography course was quite 
expensive so i um so i needed to get a job straight away and and one of the very lucky things that happened to me one of the teachers on the course he shared a studio with a food photographer um, called sue atkinson as a fantastic um woman and i after college i got a job working in the in in her studio as, a, as an assistant and it was a really important thing because it meant i didn't have to go home again i could stay in london i could keep my flat i could keep working and i i, I watched a lot of my friends go back home again and that mm. what you it's like if you're at college don't yeah. don't go home again no. <laughs> once you're out stay out yeah. you know, don't go back to to the house right <laughs> so um keep hungry this is fatal yeah, yeah. yeah you've got to just stay away and stay independent and so that was a really important thing that happened to me i got this job and i learned a lot working with with sue um about how about lots of things just language and you know did you have a film no. knowledge or did you have a photography no i didn't have any at this point i have no film knowledge I, i'm not even a watcher of films right so i, okay. I i'm not um i'm not filming no, it wasn't on your yeah yeah it's not it, you know i'd seen et and loved it <laughs> and that's about that was as it. far as it went <laughs> <laughs> so so from there i started to get interested in um you know, I was interested in music and fashion and, um, you know, uh, graphic design. Um, and anyway, I, I sort of began to, I don't know how, but while I was working with Sue, I began to realise that a lot of these things were, were all present in music video. Mm. It seemed to encompass a lot of things that I was, I was interested in. At some point, I must have had the idea um that i wanted to get into music video i was around a summer house for a while and then i just did that thing of sending off lots of letters um a couple of hundred i sent off wow um to different production companies saying can i be a, a runner mm. and that's how i washed up at flynn productions which was a primary production company and i i started answering phones there um, and Flynn was run by a very inspirational woman called Mary Calderwood, who became a great mentor to, to me. But anyway, what happened was I, I, I started off on the phones. I started helping to, to write treatments or, or kind of correct English on treatments, lay out treatments for directors. And then that graduated to writing treatments for directors who would come to me with the seed of, of, of an idea and I would expand it and and help them with it creatively and so then i stopped answering the phones nice. and then so i was working with directors for for a while and then mary let me pitch on some very low budget video uh, music videos and the first one i got was um for like some tv competition winner a band that had won a tv contest um, it was like a 10 grand video, which then was low budget, you know? Yeah. And because we were still shooting on film with big crews and all that stuff. So basically the first time I was on set directing, 
was pretty much the first time I'd been on a on a set. Wow. And I and I can remember being in that process. It was well over twenty years ago, it must have been. But I can remember being in the studio and just feeling a very deep anxiety mm. that there were so many people around, but I didn't know what any of them did. Mm. And people were asking me questions and I didn't know why they were asking me questions. And yeah, I didn't know how to answer them. And <laughs> I really wanted, wow. and I and I went through in the early days there you know, a lot of um shooting music videos, not mm. really knowing what I was doing and and actually learning on the job. Mm. So I'd be doing a thirty thousand pound um, music video and re- really not knowing what the hell I was doing. Just it's feeling like a my sink way or swim. You know, there was no yeah, sink or swim. It out slowly. But, you it know, like, yeah, but Mary was like that and, yeah. and she was able to recognise um you know, she was such an amazing figure in my life because I was a person with not a lot of self-confidence, mm. but she had a lot of confidence in, in, in me. And after the first few experiences that I had making these music videos, I would go to her and say, look, I, I don't think I am a director. I'm not sure I could, I, I, I'm cut out for this. And, and incredibly, she would say, you are a director. Mm. You, you don't know it yet, but, but, you, but you are. And you can do this and it's going to be fine. And, and, and to have someone like that in your, in your development, in your life at that point, who's got yeah. more confidence in, in you than you have, who is a genuine mentor, that's what Mary was like. And she believed in throwing people in at the deep end and seeing how they kind of responded. And the gradient would still be learning. here if it wasn't for her. Would that would you know someone no, not her, but someone with less less authority? I'm, she's entirely responsible for for um, getting me going, and I I would I'd be nowhere without um, Mary mm. because I didn't have an awful lot of self confidence, and I I wouldn't have um, stuck at it. I, she she built kind of resilience in me by just making me do things that I didn't want to do. <laughs> you know, just forcing me, she just prodding me into stuff mm. that left on my own. I would have, I would have recoiled from. I would have gone hidden, hidden at the back of the cave. And so she was a very, you know, she got me going in 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 music videos, and I started off making crappy ones, and I ended up making quite quite good ones, and learning as I was, um, you know, learning as I was going. Did you ever, at what point did you suddenly kind of go, okay, I can do this. This is, yeah, I'm in the right place. This is, this is, this is. Yeah. I, I, um, when did that happen? I do remember I, I did a series of videos with, with Mary and she, um, and I wasn't. I was probably getting fr- quite frustrated with it. And and she said, "Okay, I'm going to give you some money to make whatever you want to make, and give you four thousand pounds. I'm going to give you. You can have the short ends from the fridge. You know, bits of film left over yeah. from other. Um, my husband's going to DP it for you. Do what you like. And I made a film about two people 
um, fighting in a hotel room. Um, a, a man and a woman having a physical fight, and mm. and we filmed it all at like you know a thousand frames per second. So it was almost like they would they were dancing with each other. I don't know where this idea came from. It just I it's too far back to kind of remember, but. <laughs> So I made this film with these two people fighting each other and then, which I'd intended just as a short for myself, but then of course, through Mary, record labels caught wind of it and it became a music video. Um, there was a kind of bidding war, from different bidding war, but a few different uh, record companies became interested in buying it. In the footage and, and or the idea? The footage to make, oh, wow. to be a music for, yeah. for, for a band. And, and, um, it ended up being uh, a music video for the Doves called "The Man Who Told Everything." They mm. they bought footage and they made it into a music video. And I mean, it's not a fantastic video, but it it did. It was the first thing that I could that I could point to that felt like my own work mm. and my own identity. And that I'd done entirely on my own terms. And I remember seeing it on MTV for the first time, which is like a head exploding moment for me. Sure. And just thinking, this doesn't look like anything else. I know that it doesn't look like anything else. You know, it's coming off of, you know, Lee Ryan and it's going into TLC. <laughs> and it doesn't look anything like those things. It's just a world apart. And that was a kind of light bulb moment to me that I created something that felt like my own voice. And, mm. and, and then things started to kind of tumble from, from there. There are a series of things that I did that, that you know, just took me up to the next uh, um, next step, but all based on that mentality. I'm going to take a risk, and um, I'm going to do something that feels like my voice and not anyone else's. And my acceleration at that point, you know, I just I was flying. I was off. Did they ever get, was it people that used to just come back and go, oh, we want another slow-mo movie? Can you do, you know, can we have a fight in a car park? Can we have a fight on the roof? Yeah, you, that kind yeah of, stuff? of course. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that happens a lot. And as a director, it's very easy for you to default back to things that you know you know how to do well. Mm. But again, I, I had, the, I didn't have a lot of good sense, but I had, but I had good sense enough to know that going back over the same ground was not a good idea. It wasn't creatively satisfying mm. and it wasn't good it wasn't good for my development. It puts you in a very exposed area because once you've got something right, once you've aced something, you want to do it again. Mm. You want to keep going back to the thing that you know is gonna work out really, really well, especially in, in such a crazy environment as a as a film shoot. Mm. Taking chances is 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 difficult. You're taking a very big gamble with a lot of other people's money but I had the good sense to know that I shouldn't go back to, I should always be moving forward and I should always be trying new things and some of them worked out very well and others worked out really badly but I 
I knew that I had to keep moving forward and poking into different areas of filmmaking that I hadn't that I hadn't been into. But part of that was because I didn't have an education in film. So I was really just exploring all the things that you probably would at college, different areas of filmmaking, different techniques, different I was doing that instinctively. Mm. Um, has that, that changed? My, Have you uh, suddenly become like a, an officiado of, of styles and people and things, you know, like of films and genres? No, of, I don't really want to know. I don't want, no, I, I'm not a film buff at all. And I'm not a, I'm not a culture vulture. I don't really digest much culture. I don't read magazines. I don't really watch that many movies. I'm not like a, yeah, I'm not a film geek. Um, I don't actually ingest that much culture. I read a lot, but I don't. Um, but I think that's been healthy for, for me as well. I don't. I, I hope that what I do is not is not kind of referring to anything that's floating around there in 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 the culture. Yeah, it's like you the know, process is clear of having too many other people's opinions and viewpoints and you know it's like oh yeah you know that's that's suddenly popular i'm gonna you know make a music video that yeah well definitely video and tv commercials it can be it can after a while it just starts to feed off itself hmm. you know one thing will come out and then a whole load of other things will come out the reference that and the circle just goes around and around and around and I think if you're someone who's ingesting a lot of culture, looking mm. at a lot of stuff, it's really hard to avoid that. Yeah. You know, what you're doing is always going to reflect everything that you're, that you're ingesting. And, you know, I'm not, not everything I'm doing is blindingly original. I mean, mm. I, I would say, but, but I'm not, I, I know that I'm not feeding off of, of the culture. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm, hopefully I'm kind of sitting outside of it a little bit. Now, in those, when we first started talking and there was like these four processes, the treatment phase and the idea mm -hmm. process, I feel like we've had a real nice mm -hmm. chat about. The, the pre-production, is that is that something that goes very quickly because you're just looking at the shoot or is it something that you just spend as much time as the treatment on it, or is it a longer process? What's, what's the build up to a shoot like for you, sir? So it's, I will, I'll normally insist on about three, three weeks pre-production. And, um, and I want that long because I, I don't want to rush into making decisions that, um, too quickly. Mm, yeah. <laughs> there's so much in production. There's so much in production that, so many decisions that you have to make as a as a as a director and one of the worst things that can happen is if you have to make a decision about something too quickly or independently of other things that 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 might in influence it or help it mm. so i'm trying to often i'm trying to delay making decisions for as long as i can and then make lots of choices together because all those choices are, are you know they're all they're all feeding for each other and they're all part yeah. of the same same process um and what i find having slightly longer is you've got is you've got time to say to the people around you i don't know the answer to that question yet um and 
I'd rather make 10 decisions at the same time than all independently. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, the, so, so I just think it really helps to have that, to, to, to have that time. I always want, want um, uh, three weeks. And is there an aspect in the decision-making process that is kind of like the first domino of those 10 decisions? Is it like, once I find my right actor, actress, then I can go, yeah. this is the thing, this is what the house looks like, this is what they're wearing, or what, how yeah, does it there work? Are, yeah, there are those kind of, I don't know, it's very difficult at the mm -hmm. start of a production, especially big productions, and I, and I work on quite a lot of big, big productions. At the start of it all, it can be somewhat overwhelming. Mm you're dazzled by the amount of stuff that you have to do but also dazzled by the amount of stuff that you don't know yet yeah you know so we don't know how we're going to do this yet and we don't know how we're going to do it for the money and we don't know how we're going to do it in the time and i don't even know how necessarily i'm going to approach this yet so as soon as you've got that call i've got the job it can be quite overwhelming you know, it's like. Does that young <laughs> Sam Brown from like from his first ever promo shoot kind of just sure. start creeping up but again? They're like calm so. But that's yeah, but that's sort of how it is. Hmm. And I think it's a really, you know, I think you're beginning to touch on something that's very important to say about directing. Is that it's a very messy process. It's not a it's not a perfect process. Hmm. It's a it's a messy process, and if you're in it if you're on a shoot, if you're on the first day of your shoot and you feel that you don't know what the fuck you're doing and you're terrified and you, you, you're thinking about the next shot and it's like, oh God, how am I going to do this? You know, know. that's probably about right. Mm. That's probably, that is what the process of directing is. And it's never going to be any more perfect than that. And it doesn't matter if it's your first shoot or, your your thousand. Mm. It's always how you're going to feel. There's a great there's a great um, Steven Spielberg quote. He said the hardest thing about directing is getting out of a car in the morning. Wow. And it's the truest. It's the truest. It, yeah, it's the truest thing that I've ever heard anyone say about directing. It's the hardest bit. You pull up at the studio, you get out of the car, and you've got this mountain in front of you. You know, <laughs> this giant. This giant Goliath that you have to conquer, and you're armed with a spoon. You know, you you're going into the, and you know, but then you get in and you start doing the first shot, and everything starts to to tumble. But I, but I know that bit. I know that feeling of getting out of the car in the in the in the morning, and the enormity of what you have to get done. Um kind of falls in on you mm. and you just have to fall back on your experience and what you know the hundreds of thousands of projects that you that you worked on to know that you'll get through it but i suppose anyway, what i'm trying to say is that that feeling i think if directors are honest is pretty much the same at any point in your in your career you never feel like you know exactly what you're doing and that's what the process of directing is it's a kind of inquiry you're figuring it out as you you can pre-plan kind of meticulously, and I do, but so much of it is you have to leave open to chance. You, you, 
you can't there are so many variables mm. <laughs> there are an inf- there are an, an, an infinite number of variables in 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 filming something and you have to go into it thinking this is a messy process i can't i'm not going to expect it to all be perfect and yeah. everything to be organized and, and you know you have to allow for those kind of um unknowns you know and is it always when you're when you are shooting and, and you're kind of it's not a sticking point but you're kind of trying to figure out what's you know is there is there a point that you kind of take, do the first take and you go yeah that's worked that was it that's exactly what i had in my mind or do you kind of think it are there times that you're like oh i just there's something missing and at what point how yeah, do you solve those very, problems yeah i think very i think it's very very rare on the shoot that you'll do the the on the first take you'll go that's the one mm-hmm. but it's amazing how many times in the edit you come back to the first take right you go it's through like the initial all the idea you know right you go through the you know you're in the edit looking at the 20 takes and then and then it's amazing how often you come back to the rawness of that first one but it's very it's very rare that on the day you you will look at that first one and and, and go yep this is right great you know moving on it happens sometimes and, and i I've become better at identifying when something's right mm. on the day. Um, is it that you know what you're looking for for that specific shot, or is it that you just get an instinct? Some, sometimes, I mean, knowing what you're looking for, maybe not, because you're you're always hoping f- for an accident of some chance event to to improve what you had in your head. Mm. You know, most most of the time, the things that go wrong are the things that the you prick your ears up and you go shit oh actually it's quite interesting let's yeah let's explore that so again it's good to hold your expectations loosely to leave room for you know being surprised by what's coming back to you on the on the day i think if you go pursuing exactly the thing that you had in your mind when you started you're kind of limiting yourself in a in a way yeah but to be honest, most of the time, the first take, you, you're sitting there with your head in your hand going, what the hell the fuck am I going to sort this out? And, then, you know, and, and that's what doing multiple, I mean, directing in a way is a process of correction. So you are, you're going through the takes and you're solving things one by one. And sometimes you just need to concentrate on solving one thing. Someone mm. will come up to you and say, oh, did you see the thing that was wrong there? So oh, hang on a minute, let me just solve this one thing. Mm. We'll do another take and then we'll get on to that thing. Mm. So if you try and solve too many things at the same time, you can get lost really, really quickly. So is that specifically and about notes coming in about performance or the... Notes that- coming in about performance. So of course you have an agency and a client there who will be telling you things the whole... Uh, you know, from the moment you start shooting, they'll be telling you things that they want to... to to work on or change and quite a lot of the time i'm saying oh yeah hang on a minute we're going to get to that let me just get the basics of this thing working mm. and then we'll talk about the nuances but i'm just mm. going to hold off the things that you're saying to me till we're on like take 10 and i'm happy and then i'm going to start drawing in the things that, that you guys are talking about but you know your every take that you're doing you're you're correcting you're trying to put things right and uh you know and after you've put 20 things right on take 20 you you've got something um that kind of 
the note taking and the relationships that you have on set is there kind of a person or a person you have to be able to say well look give me some space i need i need a few more takes or do you go and talk to the agency and get yeah yeah i mean i i like input i'm not i like people around the monitor with me and i obviously it's the, the it's your producer's job to act as a mediator between you and the agency. Mm-hmm. So, and the, and the agency acts as the mediator between the producer and the client. So mm-hmm. the client will have something that they want and they tell the agency and then the agency tell the producer and then the producer will come and say, come and tell me. Mm-hmm. So there's a chain of sort of, 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 of kind of um, communication. But I like to have the creatives close. I like talking to creatives. It's their idea. It's not my idea. If they want to sit with me, they can sit with me. But one thing I will say is, let me be happy before before you tell me what what you what you want. Everything that you want, we're going to do. But I have to be happy first. It's my job to to make what I feel is success. It's my obligation to make what I feel is a successful shot. Mm. And then I'm going to be really happy to draw in whatever else you you want. But I want I want. I want my shot there and then we're going to get your shots right. Mm. And that feels like a pretty cast iron um, solution to getting along on, on the, on the day, you know? Well, it makes sense that you're again, when you were talking about, you know, working with actors and not drilling too much of your vision, it's like, if you had Christopher Walken, he's going to talk in a different way. So it's like a client and agency yeah. letting you kind of figure out and get That's to where right. you think is the perfect thing. Yeah. It yeah. might, you know, it might be the lovely surprise that they went, Oh, I never thought about. That's right. That I know. But what's difficult of course, is by the time you get to the shoot, you've been through a process of talking endlessly about what you're going to do. So from the client's point of view, they want you to do what you said you were going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. You take them aboard. They, ask you a ton of questions in the pre-production meetings that you have. And of course, from their point of view, they want you to deliver exactly what you talked about. So mm. we look at the storyboard frame, the guy standing there, that person standing, this is the frame that I want. This is what you said you were going to do. Of course, the fantastic thing about film is when you get there and you're doing it, you make discoveries and there are accidents or your actor will do something or there's a certain way of, of, of filming something that is far better than the thing you thought of mm. and it's a process of kind of delicate negotiation sometimes to say yes I know I said I was going to do this but what I'm but this is much better this is going to serve us well mm. you know, we have we if we're not a slave to the board if we're not a slave to what I said I was going to do I can give you something uh, um, I can give you something better, but it's going to be different. And that scare them. And you can't expect as it, you, you, yes, yes, it's of, of course it's scary. And you can't expect um, a, you can't make that demand of a client. Mm. Um, but you have to win their trust, and um, and explain to them why, and and you have to justify what you're doing. And of course, their word is is final, and you can't have a tantrum. You can't have a temper tantrum about it if they it's their money, yeah. it's their product. Yeah. But you know, I often feel like there's a there's a 
trust building exercise. Things get a lot easier if you can build trust with your agency and especially if you can build trust with your client because when they trust you, they'll give you flexibility. And I think trust is earned by talking to them in great detail about what you're going to do. But also when you're working on the day, explain to them very, very carefully why you want to change something, what the creative reasons are for doing it and how it's going to help their idea not just say it's because i want to it's because yeah. i want to do it yeah <laughs> and, and i'm the director and i get to it's like well it doesn't work like that mm. so there is that on the day you, f- you make so many discoveries there's so many things that you want to develop and do that are different from the board that you've so it's a delicate process and during the during that delicate process, the 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 main it feels like working on set that you know one of the main things one of the main jobs of a director kind of communicating to the cast about their what they'd like them to do choosing that cast member though in pre production is that kind of is that an easy process for you. Do you just do no, you suddenly see no, someone or do you have to look through casting? It's a really, text? really difficult process. Casting is the most depressing, um, heart-sinking process that you can possibly imagine. Huh. Do you get um, the main? It's like, I, it's, what's the process? I think, I think, I think casting is like house hunting. Nice. You know, it's like you go looking for a f- flat and you're just so depressed, aren't you? Everything you see, it's just like, <laughs> oh, and you know, and then there'll be that one at the end of it all, um, you know. That's like you, you just instinctively know that it's the it's the one. But every time you go into casting, I think you're in for an exhausting, an exhaustive process. And where does that come in? Because it's like, so if we are, does it come in house hunting analogy? It's like you kind of go, yeah. Well, I know I need to have this, t- and this, I, and this and this. I tell you what it is. When you're dealing with actors, you should be working on on the 10%, not the 90%. So they should be walking into your casting 90% right mm. and getting it. You can't really direct a performance into, into somebody who doesn't understand what they're doing. Mm. And it's very easy. It's, it's an arduous process, but it's very easy to choose someone because the, there won't be many people who are as good as you want them to be. Mm-hmm. But also they will walk in 90% correct. They will understand implicitly what, what you want to do. They'll, they'll just get it. And, and then when you come to shoot, you're just working, you're just nudging the 10%. You're just, you're just tweaking that performance because they're 90% correct. And if you don't get that 90%, if you don't feel like they're 90% correct in casting, then you haven't found that person yet. Mm. And you need to keep on looking until you do. So in a way, the casting process is, is easy. I don't need to work very hard in casting because people either turn up in, entirely intact and correct or almost entirely uh, um, correct or they're not right. And how does it work um, for you in, in the music videos where it's like you have, you know, a certain pop star, rock star, musician do you do you just kind of say right look here's the track do your thing or are there times that you're like actually i need you to be a little bit more reserved a little bit more this or is it a very much an ideas place yeah with i mean i um 
it's difficult with music video because most of the time you won't have met the artist until they turn up on set. You will have met their management oh, really? and the commissioner. Yeah. Um, whoever's commissioning the video. Yeah. But you really won't have it. Maybe you do a phone call with them. Yeah. Some, I mean, I don't think it ever happened to me that I had any access to an artist before I shot them. And, and it happens a lot that they turn up and it's like, uh, okay, what are we doing? What's, what's <laughs> this? Who's, who's that guy? You know. Why am I dressed like, like this? Why, and why is that massive yeah, ship? Why am I on a horse? Yeah. What's the story there? It's like, right. Well, so I don't expect them to turn up. With, and, you know, it's some artists are very interested in videos and some just couldn't give a fuck. They couldn't give a flying fuck what you're, what mm. you're doing. Um, some are very into the process of making videos and some are really disdainful of it and just want to get it over and done with as quickly as possible. So you don't really get to... Normally, it's in the, in the first 15 minutes of the day, you're very quickly explaining to a bemused artist what it is that they're going to be doing. Mm. And they either come along with it or they don't, and then you you know you have to kind of you have to kind of you got to quickly you have to get a, a report, I guess, if it's your first time. You yeah, know, you you do again. It, yeah, it comes back to the it comes back to the thing of trust. You know, if they trust you, if they have confidence in you, they'll come along with whatever you want them to do. It's very interesting with famous people is they, you know they come into your um, environment and I think they, they, they're, they're uncomfortable actually. They're just looking for instruction mm. and the whole power relationship sort of shifts, you know, mm. when you're offset, they're the big, the, the famous person. When they come into your working environment, they actually feel really vulnerable. And this is not what I, okay, if you, if you're you too, or, you know, yeah. um, Adele, you will have done a hundred videos and you, you'll feel more confident in that environment. But even, even then, most of the time I've just got a sense from artists that they weren't, they weren't in a place where they particularly wanted to be. And they're looking for you to, you have to gain their trust and give them confidence and then they'll come along with you and do whatever you want them to to do amazing advice i'm not you know, i'm not actually very good with really famous people i sort of you know i um i don't it's not something that i particularly enjoy i've done a lot of it but it's not something that i particularly enjoy dealing with very very famous people mm. um but um because they tend to come with a lot of entourage yes rules and restrictions yeah. and you know rules and restrictions as you know quite often they're very very reasonable people yeah and delightful people and will do anything but the people around them tend to be protective and mm. um make life very difficult for you yeah. well we've as you know as a, as a as the process has gone we've just you know we've won the treatment it's been an amazing pre-production the shoot's gone amazingly do you then take a couple of days off? Are you straight into an edit? Does it, what, what is the post-production then for you? Say I'll if go it's straight shot in, in the UK and it's, everything's happening. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'll go straight into the edit. In, in America where I do a lot of work, the agency will cut directly with the, with the um, editor. 
Oh, wow. And um, no process yeah. from yourself or do you just have an opinion? No, you, they invite your input sometimes, mm-hmm. but, um, and then, you know, on some occasions they've let me do a first cut and then, um, quite a lot. They, they will let me cut for a couple of days, mm-hmm. but you know, they give me a couple of days to cut and then they'll book the editor for two weeks to do what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> There's normally zero chance of it emerging yeah. from the end of that process you know resembling something that you that you um but can you keep that for your show reel is that your version well in the... in america you tend to do director's cuts okay um whereas here the process is slightly different in that you you will maybe go cut for a week mm-hmm. um four days to a week with the editor and then the agency will come in and, and do whatever the hell they want to do anyway yeah so in a, in a in in a way it's more transparent in america in that they say well this is our thanks very much we'll take it here yeah 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 it's like you it's like it's like you've gone out with somebody and they've been very enamored with you and uh, you know and then they chuck you and you'll <laughs> get dumped by your text. phone and i'm going yeah no worries <laughs> yeah <laughs> you phone them up saying can i see the edit it's like yeah yeah you know, yeah, yeah. Busy just, you know yeah, yeah. yeah you see it on the telly in, in, in six months or whatever yeah yeah but in a way, I, I, I quite like that process. It's, it's maybe a little bit more transparent. Yep. Whereas here, I think maybe sometimes you're given the semblance of control and having, you know, it's your edit. Um, but actually, I think quite reasonably, an edit and a, a, an agency and a client will do what they want to do anyway. Yeah. Um, and you, you just have to be there to help, to give your advice and hopefully, you know, nudge it back to where you want it to be. But um, it's not your baby. You know, yeah. you're just kind of looking after it. They, um, you know, they gave birth to it. You're just kind of raising it. But at some yeah. point, you have to give it, give it back to them. It's theirs to do. You know, whatever they, you know, it's theirs. You're the midwife. You kind of go there. You go there. I'm the mid. Yeah, I'm the midwife. I'm the midwife. <laughs> yeah, more the kind of kindergarten teacher yeah. is what, how I think. And then throughout all of these processes. Because you're, it, you know, it, from what you've said, it's like starting off with no moving image background. Is there any other processes that you took to quicker, you enjoyed more? Was the editing something that you loved because you did some of it before? Was shooting the... Yeah, I mean, I found, I, I, early on, definitely, I'm much... Yeah, if I could have got someone else to go and film it for me, I, I would have I mm. done that. Um, the telecine where we color correct the the film and the edit um, and the post-production is the bit that I enjoyed mainly because I, you know, uh, early on I had a lot of anxiety about what I was doing and the kind of relief of just having it done and over and knowing it was good. That's where you can begin to, to enjoy it. And I would, early on, I would find the shoot, it was a kind of agony. It, it was a, it was an unpleasant process that I had to go through to get to get the thing that I wanted to have. But if you'd mm. said to me, "Oh, this, you know, this this director will do it for you," I would have been like, "Yeah, great, brilliant. Yep, thanks very <laughs> much. Here's brilliant. my idea. Yeah, thanks very much." <laughs> but as I've but as I've um, done more, I've learned to kind of enjoy that process a bit more, and. Um, you know, the shooting of it is now something that I've, I've, I've learned to, I found a way to enjoy that. Is that where you, you're able to stamp your identity or have you already done that in the, in the 
treatment process? Um, I I guess so. I mean, if I'm if I'm honest, the bit that I enjoy most is the writing of the treatment. That's mm. where everything is pure, and your vision is intact, and everything is great, and and you've got the resources to make something incredible at yeah. treatment stage. That's all. That's all happening. And of course, when you get into um, somebody described the process of production like saving things from a burning house. And I think that's just about the it's just about best description of the production process that I it's just once you get into it, it's um you know, there's a lot of things that can knock you off your your Mm. your vision. And I think that's why early on I I found the process of filming very stressful because I Mm. I wanted to micromanage everything and for it to be exactly how I thought of it in the treatment and, and, and any time that it wasn't was just a source of great anxiety for me. Mm. But the more experience I've got, the more I realize, well, that the kind of meandering process of shooting something, the way that it does knock you off course is actually a really, really good thing. And those are things to be jumped on and explored and, and exploited, you know, mm. and what I was saying to you earlier about it being a messy process, just, accepting that not not wanting to have control over the things that you can't control um so i've i've learned uh, i I still it's still probably the treatment part of it that i nice i enjoy writing and if you were to to go back to a a stage of your career and have a bit or a couple of bits of advice have you got anything that you would say to the younger sam brown um what would I say? I mean, to to a um, I think I would say on a to a younger version of myself. I I, I mean, I was quite a shy person when I was um, in my early teens, and I I'm not sure many people around me would say that I was shy because I was quite gobby and. Um, but I was really shy actually Mm. now that I think you know look back at that that period and I think I would quite often look at other people and think why don't I why am I not finding this as easy as you interacting with, with with other people interacting with authority and when I find those things excruciating, like going down the pub with my with my friends who I loved, was you know it was quite an excruciating process for me. I was not not I was shy, mm. and and I I think what I would want to say to my younger self is confidence is something that can can be learned. Actually, you're not always going to be this this way. Yeah. And if you're a shy person thinking that you can't do something or that your temperament is not suited to pursuing a certain thing, you're wrong because all that stuff can be, you know, shyness can be unlearned just by doing. Mm. And incrementally, it's going to get better. And I can now walk into a room of people and talk with confidence about the thing that if I got to do, if I got to do a wedding speech, I'm going to fall to fucking bits. But if I, <laughs> if I, 
But if I'm walking into a room with 20 people yeah. talking about something that I know about, I've got the confidence to, to kind of do that now. So I'd want to go back and say to, to that person, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. And I, and I think specifically for myself entering the industry or kind of anyone else, it's amazing how much word of mouth is, is important in our, in our industry, not just at the beginning, but as you, but as you carry on. I mean, you know, it's like, it's the, you know, we're all walking around with the CV, aren't we? And, 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 you know, bashing on doors and trying to get, get a foothold in the, in the industry. But what someone says about you is more important than that piece of paper, isn't it? And your attitude and how you present yourself. And, um, that's the important thing that when you give, when you're given an opportunity to um, show yourself, show what you're like, to show your character, you've got to jump on it and, and, and do it. And I think, you know, and, and that's, that's still the same now. You, you know, the way this industry works is you, is you have two creatives walking along a corridor in an advertising agency and two other creatives are coming the other way and they say, what have you been up to? Oh, we've just been shooting this thing with, with um, you know, this, this director. Oh, and what were they like? Well, you know, they were an asshole. Absolute tip. Yeah. yeah. Never going to work for them they again. They didn't listen to us. They didn't listen to our ideas. Um, oh, right. Okay. So, so next time those creators have their big idea, probably the one bit of, big, big bit of TV that they're going to shoot in, in that year, um, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to ask you. No. Because there are too many other, you know, really good directors working at that level who are going to listen to their ideas and, and, you know, make it with them. So that word of mouth thing, I, I can't put enough importance on it. And I, I wish I'd known that when I came into the industry. Amazing. Amazing advice. Well, we're getting close to, I feel like we've, Getting close to the hour, so I'll probably just. I'm fine. Don't 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 worry. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm great. Fine. Um, now, the directors that are going to be coming up, they're going to have a load of tools around them. Has your attitude to work and the way that you process has that changed? Do you, you know from going from film to digital? Was that a massive big learning curve? And do you try and keep on top of the technology, or is it just something you're like? No, I mean, just yeah. I'm not a techie person. Okay. Um, at all. I mean, I don't. I've. I don't know how. I, I don't know anything about cameras. I can. I can turn one on. I'm. I'm not. I'm not into tech. Yeah. But tech's only really there to serve, what you need to do. So as long as you can express to, people who are much more knowledgeable than you about what you want to achieve, and you can articulate that clearly. You know, if you can do that, you don't really need to know about about kit. Um, for me, that's someone else's job, and the only important thing is the shot that you want to make, and having the right people around you to to hold your hand and sh- and and show you and introduce you to the bits of kit that are going to achieve it. But um, 
so the transition from digital to film, uh, sorry, from film to digital was just irrelevant to me. I, I uh, difference. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all the telling of the, the telling of the story is the, is the thing and how you do it is, um, obviously there's craft and, and you, know, I'm, you know, I want to craft things and, and make them look, look lovely and, but, um, I'm not, I'm not a techie person. I like to rely on okay. the people who are. And then, so with ignoring the, in the tech, the, the, the craft that you're, that you're talking about, has there been lessons that you've learned along the way on jobs that you're like, that's sticking me forever. You know, has there kind of been a way of a form of shooting or a way of talking to, yeah. to, you know, well, there's a lesson, you know, one of the most important lessons, and it's going to sound like a funny thing. One of the very first shoots that I did, um, I was working with uh, a DP who was also a director at, at Flynn, the company who, mm-hmm. who represent me. Really love, lovely man called Alex Henning. And after the first shoot he, we did, he went round and he shook everybody's hands on the, on the crew. Wow. And, and by lunchtime that day, he, he knew everybody's name. And, and that's something that always stuck with me. So from the beginning, I made a point of whether I'm working at home, obviously with people that I know, or abroad with, a, with you know, 50 to 100 people that I've never met. I do my best to learn as, as many names as I can of the people who I have direct contact with Amazing. and it is incredible how much difference that that makes to how quickly your day flows and mm. the general mood of, of the set that, that the director could be bothered to kind of learn your name is 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 one thing you, you know you quite rightfully feel feel like you're valued and I, and I, mm. and I want people that I'm working with to feel that way but also just how it quickens your process to yeah. be able to just call out to somebody and say, look, could you do this? Could you do this thing for me? Not everything has to always be going through the, through, through the AD. Mm. And you can be sure that if, if a runner comes up to you and gives you a cup of tea and you've learned the name, they can be back with another cup of tea in half an hour's time. Yeah, yeah. Happen. Maybe a little chocolate biscuit as well. If you've got the name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I just don't exactly little exactly little bit biscuit selection, but the it's incredible to me how what a useful um, tool mm. that is, and it's such a simple thing to to do. Well, that even boils down um, to myself when you know as a second AD on set, if you're with featured cast members, yes, you're going to remember all of their names, no matter how many they are. But actually then dealing with supporting cast, instead of kind of going, a oh, woman with the red hat at the back that's standing next to the tall chap, you can go, Julie, just take two steps to the right. You kind of go, one, it's yeah. quicker. But two, as you said, right. it makes them feel like they're human because they're not that's just right. a, a person with a hat in the back that's a prop. Yeah. Um, and so it, that's an and, amazing device, yeah. And it's another one of those skills that, that can be that can be learned. You just yeah. actually, my kind of memory in everyday life is shocking. Yeah, my <laughs> wife would tell you, it's like if I'm introduced to someone at a dinner party, yeah. five minutes later, it's gone. But yeah. I've trained myself to do that on, on shoots and it's a process. And, and I think also 
another lightning bolt moment for me was identifying that if I was getting cross or frustrated on on set that the problem probably wasn't with the person that I was I was um, getting frustrated with mm. you can actually probably trace that back to you or, or your producer mm. in that if you're getting frustrated with someone either either you haven't been careful enough in in choosing them or you haven't been clear enough about what you want them to to do mm. and, and you know there is another category of you know where it isn't your fault but not yeah. actually not very often mm. and identifying that early on was very helpful to me because the the, the, the more careful i was in those two aspects the less stressful the the set was i, I could um you know the the stress just went out of the the kind of working environment you know if a director's getting cross with you it's probably because they haven't got their shit together yeah um are you quite prepped do you kind of do you like to know yeah in that day and what boards and yeah. do you have a, a yeah. say on i mean that? i i prep like i prep like crazy i mean i even do my own storyboards on, on that and i want them laid out in a certain way and i I think my pre-production process is pretty meticulous, but that's all in service of feeling organized enough to forget about that. And to open the door to so, get onto stage in the morning, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think most directors would probably tell you that they, by the time they've got to the shoot, they don't need to look at a storyboard. Everything's mm. that they want to do is in their head. Mm. And, um, and if you get to that process of being really, really organized, you, you can then begin to forget about that and improvise and do other things and and but if you don't really know what you're doing if you haven't been through that process then you're going to cling to that board like a like a life jacket mm. and it's going to compromise your work nice amazing so this is like if, if film students aren't listening to this and just kind of writing it all out and asking me for transcripts then i think there's well this is just i mean this is just my way and actually i think another important thing, thing to say is certainly from a directing point of view i'm always reluctant to give out too much advice because you know i mean i've never really seen other directors at work is what i'm not i don't really know what other people's processes are and, and i would guess that that the imperfections in their process is actually what makes them interesting and sort of distinct from from each other mm. and i think directing things is something that you have to find on your own through trial and error you can listen to people talking and and, and absorb advice but it's it's really only in the doing it in in the doing of it that you can learn anything about directing amazing um you 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 know you can absorb advice but really um i hold a lot of it at arm's length if I, if I yeah. find your own voice find your own find, find your own voice that's what oh. it's all about and this is so this was the moment that i feared might happen oh hello baba so santi Vanaki, he's got his new lightsaber and you know. i'm still Vanaki, quickly come in say hello and then i need to... me this but okay. she, she so, get the wrapping off
So he's just got a new caterpillar book. What have you got there? This is my boy Santiago. So Santi, can you say hello to Sam? Can you say hello to Sam? He's not interested. No, I can't read it. (laughs) Give me five minutes, I'll come down. Can you do me one favour? If you go down, we can have hot chocolate and we'll watch some Transformers and I'll read you this after. Yeah? Bribery, I love it. That's still still working on my 15-year-old. Oh, wow. That's, I apologize about that. It was a BBC moment that I thought would happen at some stage. <laughs> so, yes. Um, is there any people or projects or anything you want to give a shout out to? Well, it's, you know, it's a bit kind of self-referential, I suppose. But I, I, um, I really like to give a shout out to Tony Crouch. And, and I, I really Big enjoyed... Big up Tony um, Crouch. Amazing shout. Tony Crouch. Yeah. yeah. Love Tony. And I just think, I mean, I listened to sort of figure out what your podcast was all about i i listened to i listened to his and um i just think it's absolutely brilliant um and if there's anyone out there who wants to know about getting into this industry or what is important um or the kind of character you need to be or the kind of attitude that you need to to have to get on in this industry you could do a lot worse than listen to to that podcast with Tony because he you know he is the embodiment of the sort of person that you need to be and the kind of attitude that you need to have to get on in this in this industry so I kind of and and I also want to give a shout out to Sion um whose podcast I also listen to and you know it's been very gratifying for me to see you know she used to work she used to be a PM on my 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 jobs and in fact, I was the I was the director who made a dress up like a schoolgirl. I know she said, story. "I love it." But yeah, it's been great to see her um, to see her ascend and and be, you know, turn into the amazing producer that she that she is now. It's been a great pleasure. Passionate. To, to she see was her. episode one for ladies and gents. So if you want to go and hear her, yeah, yeah. So ladies and gents, I just. It was an amazing chat and I, I thank Sam so much for giving us our time. Um, share it to film students, to media students, to anyone who wants to be a commercials director or a music video director or just a director in general to get an idea of how to do it and how to do it well. And um, thank you so much for your time. Um, ladies and gents, share, subscribe, uh, go to thetimescheduler.com where there's going to be a load more kind of answers to questions that you've sent in. Until we meet again, that's a wrap. So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast.